Hello, listeners, and welcome to the official third episode of Unmasked. I am your host and token minority, Tucker, and I am the solo act of the day. We've hit quite a few bumps in the road as of late, which, as you can probably tell by the massive delay in posting this episode, have been so much fun to deal with, uh, RIP for our consistency. Unfortunately, we've been temporarily knocked completely out of schedule uh, with this episode, and that has resulted in this episode being a one-man show. Never fear, though, the G-Train has returned from his vacation, and you will be hearing from him again very soon. Now, I think our topic has waited far long enough, so let's get down to business. Christians have been an embattled people group since the beginning. From the gods of the Romans and Greeks, to the gods of the Norse, and to the gods of every pagan tribe encountered across the world, Christianity has always had a busy schedule confronting the seemingly endless supply of false religions. Granted, it's not like any of what I've just said is breaking news. Pagan and cult religions have existed for millennia. However, for the last century, the greatest among the anti-Christian movements has been secularism. After having been a primary antagonist for so long, you would think that would have been met with a far more effective defense by the church. Previous world-dominant theologies opposing Christianity have crumbled easily by comparison. Secularism, on the other hand, has only continued to grow with a tenacity that, for some, has been a major cause of confusion. How has secularism been so successfully evasive? For decades, the separation of church and state has been a favorite fortress of the secularist movement. Whenever those with Christian values attempt to pose a moral argument against so-called political stances, secularists do not hesitate to retreat into separation of church and state to avoid expending the effort of forming a valid rebuttal. But now, the playing field has changed. The secular left has the upper hand, allowing them to manipulate the rules in their favor, allowing arguments over the political and arguments over the moral to be the same. You're abusing kids if you don't contone to your children going on hormone blockers. You're supporting school shootings if you don't get rid of your guns. You're killing grandma if you don't take the vax. However, all these arguments coming from the left don't stop the frequent and frankly unsurprising double standard of still expecting Christians to maintain the separation of church and state. In the eyes of the secularist, Christian morals are just religious oppression, while the ideals of secularism are void of religious ties. The word religion is a derivative of the Latin term religionem, which in itself is a nominative form of the word religio. Due to the nature of the Latin language, the word has quite an array of specific uses. However, its general interpretation boils down to the same image, moral scruples or conscientiousness and the sanctity or worship related to a deity. Essentially, the foundation of religion is in the concepts of moral codes and the gods from which those codes derive their authority. A religion exists based on a sole focus on its rules. So, how do these things apply to secularism? One of the main pulpit points of secularism is that it offers a final freedom from religion and the superstitions of the primitive mind. However, I am here to say that secularism is, in fact, the single most pervasive religion in our time. 
The difference, and the only difference, is that the familiar terms of religion have been replaced with modern, naturalist jargon designed to throw off anyone looking to call out secularism for what it really is. In his book on cancel culture, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, Michael Knowles pointed out that leftists tend to manipulate language by using vague terms and jargon, not just to soften, but to conceal and even contradict the realities to which they refer. While Michael Knowles was discussing this tactic particularly within the context of political correctness, it is a resounding favorite of the secularist movement. It's the very basis of its ability to survive. For the sake of clarity and consistency, let the analysis begin with the side of moral codes. A system of morals can come in a wide variety of shapes and sizes and have rules about any and all aspects of a person's life. Despite its claims, Secularism has one of the strictest moral codes of any religion in the modern world. The name has gone through frequent changes, making it more difficult to identify than the typical religion, but it is there if you look closely enough. In Speechless, Knowles confronts this system by one of its more familiar monikers, political correctness. Sometimes referred to as progressivism, political correctness touts itself as the rubric by which all people must be judged. This rubric involves judgment not only of actions, but of thoughts and feelings as well. For example, if you don't treat a supposed transgender individual as the identity to which they ascribe themselves, you're transphobic. If you don't believe that everyone's light skin is inherently racist and oppressive, you're a bigoted racist yourself. And, of course, the most recent addition to the set, if you don't participate in and preach the redemption of the Holy Communion of the Vaccine, you're a denier of the science. These titles are more than just juvenile name-calling. In the secularist vocabulary, they are synonyms of sin and evil. Appeals to decency, humanity, and love for our fellow man underpin all these rules. Theirs is the path to righteousness, and all others deserve utter condemnation. There would be no hesitation to dub this a moral code from any other group. However, under the protection of secularism, there are enough smoke and mirrors to throw you off the trail. Or at least, that's the idea. But, just like an illusion on stage, if you take the time to examine the trick from a slightly different angle, you'll begin to see the mechanisms the trickster wishes to hide. I previously noted that there must be some form of deity to oversee and lend substantiation to a moral code. The greatest of the secularist gods and the champion source of their morals is the science. Over the events of the past few years, the science has become a household name across the globe. Not to be confused with the time-honored pursuit of knowledge and study of our world, the science is an entirely separate entity. Actual science and the science may often run quite contradictory to each other. The science is free to change its mind whenever there is a benefit to be had. For the secularist, the science is an inexorable authority to be followed without quaver or question. Follow the science could be counted as the defining dictum of modern secularism, yet why is the science anything worth following? According to the dictates of the secularist worldview, the science is infallible and will never lead you astray. It is the omniscient authority. This is rather interesting. Merriam-Webster lists several definitions for the concept of a god. However, high on that list is the concept of a being or object that is worshipped as having more than natural abilities and powers. Infallibility certainly checks the box of a more-than-natural power in my book. So, what about the use of the term worship? Some might very well argue that's a mistake, summoning the images of pews and prayers and choirs singing hymns. It's another example of the twisting of words that Knowles confronted. 
Relying on Merriam-Webster yet again, we can find that the definition of worship is to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. We've already established the secularist's reverence for the science, and when put alongside its supposed supernatural attributes, what else would you call it except worship? The words, by literal definition, betray the nature of secularism, and is it not the left itself that evangelizes the strength of words? Despite all this, there will still be those who obstinately insist that secularism is not a religion like Christianity, it is the absence of religion and freedom from oppressive, superstitious piety. If you listen to Christian radio networks, you may recognize the name of Pastor Bob Davis. If not, he's the head pastor of North Country Chapel, a non-denominational Christian fellowship with a focus on verse-by-verse Bible study. After having listened to the NCC sermons for years, I recently got the opportunity to discuss the issues of secularism and religion with Pastor Davis himself. During our interview, he explained that Christianity is not a religion. Religion, he said, is a whole big list of do's and don'ts. He went on to point out the fact that Christianity is a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He provided the analogy of a relationship with a significant other. It can be all too easy to turn your interactions with a loved one into a religion. For example, you must act a certain way around your friends because it's how a couple is supposed to act. You must pass on regular generic lines and compliments because that's how a couple should act. But that isn't a relationship. A genuine relationship means you can forego the fragile, superficial ritual and simply be together because you truly derive joy just from being in one another's presence. In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, the Apostle Paul wrote, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This scripture assures us that even though we are sinners, Jesus Christ loves us for who we are. He wants us to be with him. In the Old Testament, there are more than 600 laws that the Jews were required to follow, living under the Old Covenant. As sinful humans living in a fallen world, they were laws that were inevitably impossible to keep perfectly. Thus, among those many laws were rules for regular sacrifices meant to cover the sins of the people with the blood of animals. But the blood of animals was never enough to completely wash away the transgressions against the law. No mere human could ever repay the debt required for our sin, and for that reason, the Lord provided a route for redemption. Thus, we read in John 3:16 and 17 under the New Covenant, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The only requirement to receive this free eternal gift is to accept it by the grace given through faith in him. When Jesus paid the debt of our sin, it meant that the followers of Christ are no longer bound to the law of the Old Covenant. It is the relationship that causes us to live our lives in a way that pleases our Lord. Now, let's turn our lens back on this science. The science is nothing but a massive repository of rules for the masses to follow. Those rules may constantly shift, sometimes in the blink of an eye, but they are rules nonetheless. A whole big list of do's and don'ts from an authority which by its sole concept can change its mind whenever it sees fit. By contrast, the God of Scripture tells us that he will never change his mind. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. For I, the Lord, do not change, Malachi 3.6. 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 48. I prefer to follow the one true God I know I can trust to be rock steady. Secularism loves to toss around its claims of religious neutrality, posing itself as the only possible route to truth and disparaging anyone who might dare to speak on the principles of the word of God. Don't bother with all those mystical fairy tales and self-righteous rules. You can be a good person too if you do everything we say and think exactly what we tell you to think. Place this mentality alongside the same straw man image that secularism paints of Christianity and the irony is comical. If Christians can expose secularism for its deeply religious nature, then challenging its canon from the position of strength through faith in following Jesus Christ will become much more accessible. At the closing of our interview and his signature style of common sense wisdom, Pastor Davis said, everything becomes a religion if you're not careful. Jesus just said, follow me. Once a nation resting on biblical principles, American culture has long been dominated by secularism. The products of that shift have truly begun to manifest more and more rapidly in these last few years. Secularism seeks to immunize itself to Christianity's arguments against opposing religions by framing itself as residing in its own class. How can we expect to defend against something on which we can't land a blow? Separation of church and state has been a weapon just as much as a defense. In today's culture, it's a phrase used to frame Christians as cheating in the geopolitical game simply by having guiding principles based in the Bible. A Christian can hardly begin to espouse an argument of Judeo-Christian origin before being slapped aside for failing to maintain the separation of church and state. However, if more Christians were willing to pull back the curtains and call out secularism for what it really is, then secularists would no longer be able to utilize such a cheap shot without making themselves vulnerable to the very same attack. Christians, assert the truth and be unapologetically vigilant in its application, that more might be made aware of the threat of secularism. It is a religion. At first, some of what I've said here may seem like common sense. There's a chance that some of you already agree with my thesis, and that's awesome. But I'm not saying all this just to get the satisfaction of having someone agree with me. My hope here is twofold. Firstly, that you'll take the time to consider my arguments in their own right. Give it a little time and chew it over. Second, that if you find my arguments to be valid and sound, that you would not be afraid to vocalize the thesis they support. Use my arguments. Develop your own. Secularism cannot be allowed to hide behind its false image any longer. Its true nature must be pulled out into the open for all to see. In a free and open market of ideas, I think we'll find that secularism, when stripped of its lies, doesn't stand a chance. This episode was based on a paper I wrote not too long ago, and if you'd like to read it for yourself to go back over something you missed or you just feel like it would make more sense in print, we'll be posting the full paper alongside its Works Cited page on our website. One of the results of our shattering schedule is that we will hopefully be catching up on a tiny bit of the episodes we've missed. If all goes well, we'll be posting another episode before too long to be followed by reinstatement of a regular schedule. Uh, it's to be decided, so we'll keep you posted. As always, if you agreed or you disagreed, you have something to add or just have questions, feel free to email us at unmaspod at protonmail.com. You can also leave a comment on our Rumble page or use the contact form on our website. You can even leave us an anchor a voice message. And, of course, you can find the links to all that in the description below, in addition to links for the North Country Chapel website, should you be interested in learning more about the church or listening to some of those sermons yourself. 
If you want to leave a review or share the show with a friend, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and basically on to infinity. We're on just about all the podcatchers now, even some of the really obscure ones. Finally, I'd like to give a special thanks to Pastor Bob Davis for setting aside the time for multiple interviews, which were extremely helpful and integral to the creation of this episode. He was truly more than welcoming through this whole process. Token Minority Tucker is out. Peace! Could you possibly, could you, could you possibly rewind and come again? Okay!